0: So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37, and you say, well, Ria, I thought we were in James. I thought we were talking about the mouth, and indeed we are, and we're going to pick up uh, in the next couple weeks and go, we're going to stay in James chapter 3 uh, for a little while because there's so much in there. There's such good... Uh, good uh, Application to our life in that chapter, and so we will stay there for a couple weeks. Um, But before before we do, I feel like we need to look at Ezekiel thirty-seven, and you might wonder how that applies to James and the mouth. And I want you to just think about what we've learned in James this far. So we've been James chapter one for probably what fourteen weeks, and then we moved on to James chapter two, which I actually got through in a week. And uh, but. But if you look at the book of James, there's so much practical application. He is really driving some some really firm points home. He's making sure that we understand that our faith needs to be genuine. I I really want to make sure we revisit that tonight. And the number of times that James cautions us and says, make sure that you are not deceived, That that we can have faith, that we can make a profession of faith and, and deceive ourselves. That we can actually think we are following hard after God and really we're not. And, and I really believe that that is the problem in the church today. I, who was it, Dave? Was it um, uh, Nitschke who said your, your, your Christ would be more appealing if your Christians looked a little bit more like him? And I think that's what's happening in the church today. We're professing a Christ that we don't look anything like. We don't look much different than the unbeliever down the street. And James is really cautioning us in these first three chapters to make sure that our faith is genuine, that we are not deceiving ourselves, that we are not professing something, that we are really not acting out. He says, faith without works is dead. For those of you that were not here last week, get the CD because I'm telling you, it's powerful. it's a picture of actually that word works if you substitute faith without actions is dead that's a better word there what he's saying is if you really have solid faith if your faith is genuine your actions the actions coming off your life will prove that not with a works mentality but the, the mere fact that if you really believe that word, it's going to change you. It, you're going to look different. You're going to act different. You are going to reflect his glory. You're going to reflect his image, his likeness. Do you know that you and I were created in the likeness of God, in the image of God? Do you understand that? That that's how we were created. We were created to look like him, to act like him, to reflect his glory to, to this world. And yet the enemy, as early as the garden, came at that image, and he tried to mar the image of God. He tried to ruin the image of God in Adam and Eve, and he succeeded. That's what sin does. Sin mars the image of God in our life. And it's not any different. He is still trying daily in my life, daily in your life, to mar that image of God in you. And so if he can get your mouth, my mouth, he can really mar the image of God. Do you see how that works? If he can get you to act differently than the word of God, he doesn't have to make you bad. He can just mess, mess with the image of God in you. You're not going to be dangerous for the kingdom of God. And so that's what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And, and now we're moving on to the mouth and how the mouth can really mar the image of God. Can it not? but i want to because we're going to we're going to talk a bit in the next couple of weeks about the mouth and the importance of, of really taming that mouth and and really bridling our mouth that's he mentions that in james chapter 1 verse 26 but before we get into all that he you know he's going to talk to us about how the light the mouth has the power of life and death he says with the same mouth that you praise god you curse man and that should not be. He said, you have, you have with, with the same mouth that sweet water comes from, so, so does bitter water. When prophet Ed was here from South Africa, one of the things that he said to me was God said to him early on, if you want to be my mouthpiece, you need to understand that your mouth has been set apart for my glory. And bitter water cannot come from the same spring as you expect sweet water to come from. And he said, Rhea, if we want God to use our mouth, we have to choose to let him set it apart and sanctify it for his goodness, for his glory. You cannot let bitter water come from the same spring that sweet water's coming from. You can't use the same mouth to praise God that you use to curse men. That cannot be. And so as I was studying that, that is really what I want to preach tonight. But, but as I was studying it, I got off and studying the, the the idea that with the same mouth we speak blessing and curses. And, and then I started studying cross-referencing scripture that talked about, you, you know, the, the mouth, the tongue has the power of life and death. And, and and that we have the ability to speak life or speak death from our tongue. And how our tongue is full of deadly poison and it can really destroy and bring death. And And I was just studying all of that. And somehow on the way here tonight, I really felt like God said, I want you to look at Ezekiel 37. And so I'm telling you, I'm flying by the seat of my pants. But I really feel like this is where God wants us to to be tonight for some reason. So if you're here tonight and you leave and say, wow, that message spoke to me. Can I tell you, he changed it for you because I really want to preach James chapter 3. But Ezekiel chapter 37 The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord, you know... Again, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to those bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he also said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood up upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel." Then you shall know I am the Lord when I have opened up your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord, and I have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. So I want you to picture this. Ezekiel is in the valley. Now, you know that Israel, during the time that Ezekiel is writing this, was in captivity. They had been in captivity for a very long time. In fact, Ezekiel himself was in captivity. And and they were discouraged, and they were disappointed, and and they were really, their life was hard. Anybody here would be willing to admit their life is hard. And maybe you've come here tonight, and you're discouraged, and you're downcast. and, And maybe you feel like you are in captivity to something in bondage to something and you just can't get free well that's where ezekiel and the israelites were during this time and 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 the spirit of the lord lifts up ezekiel and he takes him out into a valley and a valley as you know uh, when you go through a valley it's a difficult time it's a it's a it's a time that's not the mountaintop it's a it's a difficult trying time and maybe some of you are in that place tonight in a in a valley maybe the valley of the shadow of death and 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 maybe you can identify with this story for that reason. And and Ezekiel sat down in this valley, and he notices that it's full of bones. It's full of death. There's no life there, and maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you're in that place of, of dryness, of barrenness, a place of death, a place where there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of hope, a whole lot of life. That's where Ezekiel was. He was looking at these bones, and and, and the word says in verse 2 that they were very dry. They were withered up. They, They were barren. It's a picture of barrenness and emptiness and death. And God said to Ezekiel, can these bones live? And you know that word live, we've talked about it many times. It means not just life, it doesn't just mean breath, it means uh, to prosper. It means to be quickened, to be alive, to be restored to life, to be healthy. It means to be revived from sickness, to be revived from discouragement, to be revived from faintness or, or just from having that place of death in you. Maybe it's a picture of abundant life. And I wonder if any of you are in that place tonight and in a valley in your life and and you long for the mountaintop again and life is hard and maybe you feel like the life has just been sucked out of you and you are left dry and barren and weary. And you really feel powerless to do anything about it. Oh, can I tell you about my Jesus? He is able to breathe new life into you. He is the breath of life. And he says to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, can you imagine? He's with God, he's hearing the voice of God and he's seeing nothing but death all around him, dead bones, and notice there wasn't anything on these bones. You see, the ravens had come and eaten off all of the meat and the flesh and and really had just totally destroyed, taken anything of substance off of these bones. It was just plain bones. There, There weren't any weapons there. There weren't any valuables with them. All of that, nothing was there but bones, and they had been stripped, they had been plundered. And I wonder if you can identify with that tonight. Maybe the valley that you're in is so dry, and there's so much death surrounding you. Maybe the vultures of this world have come and just stripped you clean. Maybe the life has been sucked out of you. Maybe you have been plundered by the enemy. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no contentment in your life. Maybe your family has been stripped from you. Maybe your your finances have been stripped from you. Maybe your well-being has been stripped from you, and you are dead bones. God says, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Is there any hope? And maybe you're there tonight and you think, is there any hope? Can this get any better? I I can't imagine that it can get any worse. There is nothing but death. And when, when Ezekiel was looking at those bones, I'm sure that's what he thought. What do you mean, can they live? They're bones, God. There's not even any flesh here. There's nothing. It's nothing, Lord. There's no hope. It's Hopeless, Lord, but he doesn't want to answer the Lord like that, and neither do you. You don't want to say it's hopeless, Lord, because you know spiritually you're supposed to say that super spiritual thing that said, with God, nothing is impossible, and he is mighty to save. And you know you're supposed to be able to say those super spiritual things, but really God is asking you tonight, can these bones live? Do you think there's any hope left? And Ezekiel, rather than saying, no, I don't think so, God, he says, God, you know, and maybe you're there, and you have a marriage that's dead. Maybe you have a, a prodigal that seems hopeless. Maybe you have an addiction that's plundered your whole life, and, and God is saying to you, do you believe I can bring life back into you? Do you believe it? And you're saying, uh, you, only knew, you only know, God. I don't even know how to answer that, God. It looks a little hopeless to me. But look what God says to to Ezekiel after Ezekiel replies, you know. And that word know there is very interesting. It's a word you hear me talk about often. It means to know intimately. It's a Jewish idiom for sexual intercourse. It means, God, you know everything. You know everything about everybody. Can I tell you, God knows everything. Whatever you think you're doing in the darkness, can I promise you, God knows. He knows knows. The Bible says he knows what's in a man. He knows what you do in secret. The Bible says that nothing is hidden from his eyes. Oh, uh, maybe that Maybe that bothers you. Maybe that scares you. Maybe you want to run out the door right now because you're like, "Are you telling me God knows what I do in secret?" Yep, I am. But can I tell you I did some things in secret myself? Anybody with me? And, and here's the best part of that news is that God knew every rotten thing I'd ever done in my whole life, and I'd done some things. I, maybe you were a good boy or a good girl. I was not. And and so here's the comfort that God knew. He's the God who knows. He knew every rotten thing about me. And He pursued me, and he breathed new life into me, and he loved me anyway. Rhea, can those dead bones live? Only you know, God, but I know you know me intimately. I know you know everything about me. So I'm just going to bow right now and just say, only you know, Lord. I'm at your mercy. Only you know can you bring life back into me. Only you know, God. Here was God's reply to Ezekiel. He said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, there's so much right there that applies to James. And this is why I brought you to this passage He said to me, prophesy. That word prophecy isn't what Pastor Ed did necessarily. The word prophecy there means to pour forth words from your mouth. It means to speak the words of God. Can these bones live, Ezekiel? I don't know, God, only you know. Here's what I want you to do, Ezekiel. I want you to speak my word to these bones, to this death. Ezekiel, to this hopelessness. I want you to speak my word to that hopelessness and say to them. And that word say, uh, it's, it's, it's the word amar. It means to, to not just say, and I've got to find it here because it's so good. Um, it doesn't just mean to say. It actually means um, it accompanies action with it. It means that I'm not just going to say, what I say to them is going to bring about an action. Are you with me? He says, prophesy to those bones and say to them, hear the word of the Lord. Does anybody want to guess what the word hear is there? Remember, we're relating this to James. What does James say? Don't just be a hearer of the word but be a doer for those of you that have been here the last couple weeks what does the word here mean the word here there means if it doesn't just mean to hear with the ear it means that unless i'm actually doing something with what i've heard i haven't really heard it it means to hear and to do and so when god says Ezekiel prophesy, speak the word of God to these bones and say, speak to them, speak my word to, the, to this death and say, hear, hear, hear. Shema is the word, shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one God. Make sure you hear, you pay attention that this sinks, sinks inside of you and you do something with it, hear the word of the Lord. Guess what the word word is there, somebody. Is Angela's not here tonight, is he? Angela, what do you think it is? What is it? What's the word that we talk about so often here in Bible study? There are two words for word in the Greek, and what are they? Rema and Logos. What, what would you think this Hebrew translation of the word is? RaMA. You betcha it's Debar, which is the Hebrew translation of the word rhema. It's not just to hear the the word, a spoken word. It's to hear a word that's been spoken to you from God, a word that's penetrated you, a word that's gotten deep down inside of you, to speak that which God has spoken to you. He said, Ezekiel, can these bones live? Can this death, is there any hope for this death? Because it looks pretty hopeless to me. Ezekiel said, God, you're familiar. You know everything about this situation. What do you say? He said, here's what I say. Speak my word to them and tell them to live. Prophesy to them. Speak my word to them. Use that mouth that James is going to talk about and use it for good because the mouth, the tongue has the power of life and death. And church, I'm just going to tell you we can't sit back and do nothing anymore because what's happening is we're using this mouth to speak death. We're using this mouth to come into agreement with the enemy. You say, well, Ria, what do you mean by that? I don't want to agree with the enemy. Really? Because when you say there's no hope, you come in to agreement with the enemy. Because the word of God that you need to prophesy over yourself is that nothing is impossible with God. No rhema is without effect with God. Uh, you need to prophesy, give me some more word to prophesy that God came to set the captive free, to release the prisoner from darkness. I don't need to be captive to this thing because God said, this is what God said, I'm prophesying it over my life, that this bondage is broken in the name of Jesus. God said that, that what God has brought together, no man will bring asunder. My marriage is healed in Jesus' name. God said, I don't need to be anxious about anything. This anxiety, this fear inside of me needs to go in Jesus' name, that he's going to give me peace that passes all understanding, that's going to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. I'm sad, I'm depressed, but God says the joy of the Lord will be my strength. God says, do you see? Prophesy, Ezekiel, to this death in your life, to this death that's surrounding you, and tell those bones to live, to get the life of God inside of them. You say, well, that's ridiculous, Rhea. They're dead bones. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I. Notice it's the Lord doing this, and it's the Lord doing it in your life and my life as well. Our responsibility is to only say what he tells us to say, to speak his word over our life. And then he says, surely I will then cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. And that word live means to revive, to make alive, to recover, to repair. And he says, I'm going to do all this so that you will know that I am the Lord. So Ezekiel says, so I prophesize as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, I looked, and the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So God said, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, And breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet. So God said, Ezekiel, prophesy life into those bones. The bones came back together, flesh came on them, and he said, now prophesy to the wind to breathe new life into them. And they jump up and they make an army. God says, my words, do you know that we're going to study this in the next couple weeks? He says, my words are spirit and life. You say, well, Rhea, what does that even mean? My words are spirit and life. Kelsey, if I was going to get angry with you and I was going to say something nasty to you and I just said it with my words... What would my words do to the spirit inside of you? It would weaken her spirit or it would really intensify her spirit and she would come back at me with the, yeah, the soul, her soul. Uh, so so my, the spirit that I come at her with would cause her to respond to my words a certain way. Have you ever said something to somebody and had them get agitated with you or get angry with you back? That's because words don't just carry words, they carry the ability to speak life or death, and they have, the, they have a spirit attached to them. Are you following me? And so they can stir a spirit inside of you that comes back. Do you see it? He says, my words are spirit, and they're a good one, and life. They're going to give you life. They're going to change everything about you. His words have power, and they have the power of life, the power of life. When you sit with his word and you meditate with his word, the Bible says that the entrance of his word brings light. Do you know what that means? It illuminates. When I get in his word, you see, the the Bible says that if you turn over to James chapter 1, it says that that the, the light came into this world, but the darkness did not comprehend it. Do you know what that word comprehend means? It means it did not overwhelm it. It did not not have any power over it. It didn't have the ability to stop it. Do you know that when God, when Jesus came into this world, the light of the world, he came in and the darkness did not comprehend it. It could not overwhelm him. You see, darkness, sin, true sin in this world is always going to be here. But the light came in. And I'm telling you, if we were in this room tonight and it was dark and we hit a light switch, darkness would not overcome the light. The light always overcomes darkness. Darkness doesn't stand a chance where there is light. And so the Bible says that the entrance of my word brings light. Oh, somebody Obviously I didn't explain that well enough or you would be jumping up and down because you see if you're sitting in sin right now, if you're sitting in bondage right now, if you're sitting in in stuff that you wish you could get free of and you just can't, you get in that word and you let the entrance of that word bring light and overcome the darkness inside of you. It'll flip a light switch and all of a sudden the darkness that seemed to have power in your life is gonna be overcome because it will not be able to comprehend the goodness of the Lord and the light of his word in your life. I promise you, this works. Ezekiel, prophesy, speak his word to the death inside of you, and I promise you, it will come to life again. If you are sitting here tonight in depression, in despair, in hopelessness, full of anxiety, full of fear. Do you know that the Lord says that he has not given you a spirit of fear, but he has given you a sound mind. You see, where there's a sound mind, fear cannot exist because the light, the entrance of the light, the entrance of his word will bring light. And a sound mind, where a sound mind, sound in his word, fear will not be able to exist there because the light will overcome that darkness. The light switch will go on and the darkness will not be able to overwhelm that word inside of you. It'll come alive because his words are are spirit, and they are life. And I promise you that no matter how bad your circumstances are, I promise you that no matter how deep you're into something, I promise you that no matter how strong that addiction is in your life, if you get in this word... If you get in this word and meditate on it, if you begin to speak it over your life, if you don't just hear it with your ears, see, some of you are sitting here tonight and you are hearing me with your ears, but you have no intention of leaving here tonight and doing it. You know why? Because scripture says they love darkness more than light, they loved their darkness. More than light. And some of you love your darkness more than light. So lay in the dry bones a little bit longer. But I promise you, when you get sick enough of death and you begin to prophesy his word over your life, when you begin to say what he's saying in his word, Over your life, over your addiction, over your heartache, over your brokenness, over your anxiety, over your fear, over your worry, over your torment. When you begin to prophesy, to say what he says over your life, I promise you that the entrance of his word will bring light. It will overcome whatever darkness the enemy is trying to bring upon you. I promise you it works this way. You say, well, Rhea, if my circumstances would change, I'm telling you firsthand. I've learned this. I'm living this. It doesn't matter if your circumstances never change. This word works. It works. God didn't take those bones out of the valley. He brought the prophet into the valley to speak him. He didn't say, now you just wait. We'll put him up on the mountaintop, and maybe then the life will come. He said, no, I'm lifting you up, and I'm putting you in the valley. Valleys stink. Can I tell you, I don't like the valley. I'd much prefer the mountaintop. But you see, his word works in the valley as much as it works in the mountaintop. Life comes in the valley just as much as it comes on the mountaintop. And I promise you, this word works. But Ezekiel, you have to prophesy. You have to use his word and that's what we're going to learn the next couple weeks we're going to talk about using this mouth to say the same thing that God says. You see, I'm telling you, I believe with all of my heart that we have curses in our life, that we are living because of our words, because we have spoken word curses. We have come into agreement with the enemy innocently. We have said the same thing as the enemy instead of saying the same thing as God. You say, well, Ria, how does that work? Here's how it works. I'm a loser. Who does that sound like? Is that God? Is that God who says you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Is that God who says you're his treasured possession? Is that that God who says he takes great delight in you? Is that God who says that you're the head, not the tail, above and not beneath, that you're a lender and not a borrower? Does that fit with his word? So who are you coming into agreement with when you say, I'm a loser, I'm a failure, I'm worthless? What are those? Are those blessings or are they curses? Now we've spoken that over our life. We've come into agreement with the enemy. By default, maybe, but we've come into agreement with him. Give me some more. What are some more word curses that we speak into our own life? I'm sick and tired. That's a careless one. The Bible says that we have to give account for every idle word that we speak, every careless word we speak. That's why we have to watch what's coming out of this mouth because you say, well, Ria, that's a little weird, that's a bit witchcrafty, a bit spiritual witchcraft, really? Because what I see is in, let's turn to Genesis 1. This is God, the creator of this universe, whose image we are made in, whose likeness we are made in. If God's word creates, if we're made in His likeness, now when we speak, it creates as well, does it not? And so we can change an atmosphere around us just the way we're speaking. And so Genesis chapter 1, the Bible says that the world was without form. And it was, a, it was void and without form. See, some of your life are void. They're empty. And it's chaos. In Genesis chapter 1, the world was void without form. It was chaos. And the spirit of the Lord hovered over. Hovered. Nothing changed when the spirit of the Lord hovered. When did it change? When God spoke and said, let there be, and there was. See, when God spoke, the second he spoke, something changed. So when he says prophesy, say the same thing as I say, say what God says, when when, when. when James talks about our mouth being used for blessing and cursing. Do do you see what he's saying? Well, when Proverbs tells us that our tongue holds the power of life and death and we eat the fruit thereof, we're going to eat. We're going to reap what we've sown. We're going to reap what we've said. You say, well, Ria, that's weird. Well, I'm sorry, but we are created in the image of God, in his likeness. We were created for dominion. To rule, I'm sorry, everywhere I go, I am firmly aware that I have dominion. You say, well, well you carry yourself the way you do, you, 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 you know, I, I, it takes a lot to move me because I understand I have dominion. If you want to talk about me, rock on with your bad self, but can I tell you what? I have dominion. I would not mess with me. I wouldn't because I understand dominion. I understand that I was made to rule. I was made to take back, to dominate. That's what dominion means. Come on, church. Do you know who you are? We've forgotten who we are. You were created in the image of God and in his likeness. Rise up army of God. The Bible says Ezekiel prophesied to them and those dead bones came alive and they became an army. And I'm telling you what, I'm creating an army in this place. I'm not sitting back and sitting idle. I believe what I preach and it works. And I'm telling you what, if you get it in your spirit and you start applying it to your life, it'll change your world. And we will be the army of God that begins to make a difference in this world. Do you believe that? Do you believe it? So God says that there was chaos and there was void and there was emptiness. And he spoke and everything changed. Order came where there was chaos. And dear ones, I promise you, if your life is chaos right now, you get in this word and you begin to speak it forth. Speak it, prophesy it over your life. Stop saying what the enemy is saying and start saying what God is saying. My sons will be taught by the Lord. Great will my children's peace be. The offspring of the righteous are blessed and they are mighty in the land. Just this morning, I was driving to work and I was saying out loud in my car, my sons will be taught by the Lord. Great will my children's peace be. The offspring of the righteous are blessed and they are mighty in the land. My children are going to be mighty in this land. I I began to just say, my daughters will be pillars in the temple of the Lord. I just began to speak the word of God. I'm coming into agreement with God's word. Do you see? A three-chord strand is not easily broken. My husband will desire his wife. What God has brought together, no man will bring asunder. Do you see what you speak? I speak it. I speak it over my life. I speak it. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that, ref- that, that, that accuses me, I will refute. Do, do you see? I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm a lender and not a borrower. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in one. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. He he leads me in green pastures. He sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He makes my enemies live at peace with me. Do you see it? But you can't say it if you don't know it. We've got to get it inside of us. We've got to get it inside of us. He satisfies me in a sun-scorched land. I, go, I will go through the waters, but they won't overcome me. I'll walk through the fire, but it will not burn me. Do you see what happens when you begin to come into agreement with God's word? Those who hope in the Lord will not be disappointed. Lord, I'm putting my hope in you and you promise me I will not be disappointed. You promise you'll meet my needs according to your riches and glory. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. You are God and nothing's impossible for you. The favor of God surrounds me. I thank you Father that you are with me like a mighty warrior. You fight my battles for me. You go before me. You follow after me and you are with me like a breaker anointing. You break forth places I can't even go. Do you see how that's all word? I'm just speaking the word of God to you. Does it charge your spirit? Do you know why it does? Because his words are spirit and life. Somebody, give me a situation. Give me some death in your life and let me speak over it. I'll help you. Give me an example. Somebody, Your son's not a believer. I just gave them to you. The, uh, my sons will be taught by the Lord. Great will my children's peace be. The offspring of the righteous, and you are righteous. The offspring of the righteous are blessed, and they are mighty in the land. Uh, you, uh, Nobody will snatch him out of your hand, Lord God. You're with him like a mighty warrior. You hem him in behind him before you've laid your hand upon him. Thank you that you're going to send the hounds of heaven after him. That, that you're going to send fishermen. You're going to send fishermen to, to catch him. That you're going to send hunters to hunt him down. I thank you that, that you'll leave the 99 to go after him, Lord God. That I can, I can rest. That I brought him up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And you promise me that if I raise him in the fear and admonition of the Lord, when he's old, he won't depart from it. Those are all good ones. If you want to email Leslie, we'll send them to you. Anybody else? Come on. Be courageous. Nobody else has some dead bones? Wow. Yes, dear one. Um, I would say, Lord, I thank you that that you 're going to meet my needs according to your riches and glory. I thank you that um, uh, that your your eye is on the sparrow and that you clothe the lilies of the field and you 're going to take care of every need I have I mean I would just begin to 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 look up those scriptures that talk about needs that you 're my shepherd, I shall not be in one that 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 my um, that you're the protector, that you're going to protect me, you're going to watch over me, just those kind of things. Um, Leslie will tell you, Leslie, where were we at when we, we were way out, like we were traveling by car and we, I, my gaslight was on. We went like 30 miles with the gaslight on and we were in the middle of nowhere. And if I'm lying, I'm dying. And, and we were in the middle of nowhere. We had driven like 30, 40 miles. My gaslight had been on that whole entire time we knew we had no more gas. It had been down to zero, and, and we drove forever. There were no gas stations. And the entire time, we are in the car saying, Lord, I thank you that, that you provide for us and that you're going to take care of us, that you're watching over us, you're protecting us, that you're Emmanuel, God, with us, that this weapon that's been formed <laughs> against us. I mean, we just began to quote Scripture the entire time. I'm not kidding you. How many miles do you think we went? Uh, like 60, 75 over what we I mean, we were in the middle of nowhere. We pulled up to the pump, and I kid you not, our car ran out of gas right at the pump. <laughs> that, is not, it, that is not exaggeration, is it? Exactly like that. He has you. He has you. Anybody else? Do one more. Yep. I'm sorry. These ears are, I'm so thankful that my eyes are not growing dim and my youthful vigor is not diminishing. <laughs> Oh, that's an easy one. Oh, you are so lucky. You're so lucky. They do that to your face? Oh, that is so awesome. I just read today, seriously, that that you are blessed when you're persecuted for that reason. And I I mean, I'd be like, thank you for that one. Seriously. Thank you for that one, Lord. And, And I would love them like you've never loved them before. Don't even respond to those things. Just love them. Oh, yeah, don't. Yeah, the Bible says that when Jesus was mocked, when he was ridiculed, when he was spat on, he did not retaliate, but that he entrusted himself to the one who judges all men justly. You lucky duck. That's a good one. The Bible says that when you're persecuted for his name, you are blessed. You're blessed, and and especially it's your sweet boys. Um, you just begin, you begin those scriptures. Get Leslie. She'll give you those scriptures, and you begin to pray for her, and and, but don't look at what you see in the natural. You begin to call things that are not as though they were. And you call those boys saved in Jesus' name. You call those boys on fire for the Lord in Jesus' name. And you call things that are not. Faith calls things that are not as though they were. If, if, it, if you were calling them what they were, you know, in, in the, it, it's easy if they were acting that way. That doesn't require faith. But faith is required when it looks hopeless, when the bones are dead and there's no life in them. And so... Um, you make sure you give are there two of them? You make sure you give Leslie their names, and I promise you we will start praying for them. But that's so simple. That, but don't retaliate, don't fight back. Um, that's what they want. They want to s- just let them see the Jesus in you. And, and you know I pray all the time that people, um, I might be unwise, ordinary uh, person, but that the Lord would know that, that I've been with Him, that people will be able to see that I've been with Him. Trust me. When you're with Jesus, they can see it. The conviction of the Spirit in you is you don't have to ever open your mouth. You just love them well. You love them well. And I promise you, I promise you, God has you. Yeah, the blessing. You are so blessed when you're persecuted for his name. I love it. I'm telling you. If somebody says that Rhea's crazy girl, she's way over the edge. I love it. Bring it on. This same sermon, wow, boy, is God, yeah, I'm promising you, it works, yeah, because, I mean, this is not a Rhea, re- uh, get this emotionally charged, this is the word of God, he says, these are dead bones, they're hopeless, there's no life in them, and I'm sure you look at your boys doing that, who you love with all your heart, it's a mama, nobody can hurt us like our kids, and, and, and so you look at them, and that probably just pierces you, and the enemy knows that. And so every time, because it, they're just tools that the enemy is using to get to you. You don't fight against flesh and blood. It, your battle is not your boys. That's your love assignment. It, it, the battle is the enemy. And so begin to battle the enemy. Every time the boys do that, you get in your knees and you begin to pray for them. And he'll the enemy will stop it soon. He won't be able to stand that you run to prayer every time those boys do that instead of run to your bed and cry. Um, and when you start to battle that way, I, I was just saying to our team a couple nights ago, make sure you give Leslie a name, I was just saying to our team a couple nights ago that if we started to look at everything as this was the, we don't battle against flesh and blood. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against a person. Your battle is not against a spouse. Your not battle is not against an enemy. Your battle is not against anybody hurting you. If somebody's hurting you, it's a weapon of the enemy. They are just being used. They're tools. And if you can turn every situation around that is bringing you uh, pain or heartache or disappointment or, or shaking up your life, if you can begin to look at it, the Bible says, don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes. And if you can remember that none of your battles are against flesh and blood, it's always against principalities and evil forces. And when you understand that that battle has already been won, you just need to reinforce it. It it changes everything. It changes everything. And so stop fighting people and start fighting on your knees. Your battle is in the heavenlies. And the only way you win that battle is the same way Jesus won it, with the word of God, the double-edged sword. Do, Do you see it? But in order to fight it, you got to get it inside of you. Uh, we're working. I'm working on this, the manuscript for the book, and one of the things we're doing is I'm going to have scripture memorization cards that come uh, accompanying the book because I'm going to try to get the biggest stack I can get. Because what I'm finding is. People don't know how to go digging for them, and so we're going to make them available to you so that you can get those, and we're going to make them big enough that you can put them in your cars, you can put them on your, your refrigerator, and that you have that Word of God available to you. It's a, it's a weapon, and when we get that Word inside of us, the entrance of that Word brings life, brings light. It overcomes the darkness in us. The darkness can just be ignorance. It can just be, I didn't know that. I didn't know I was buying into that. I didn't know that that was a weapon of the enemy. And the entrance of his word in your life, even if this week you can just get one scripture memorization in you and just start putting it all over your house and get one verse in you, that that one verse inside of you is going to just stir life in you. It's going to bring you life. Um, so anyway, so back to Ezekiel chapter 37, just one more thing I want you to see. This is a picture, as I said, Israel was in captivity. I, uh, Ezekiel 37 is just a picture of God's ability to renew, bring life into our death. And I promise you, it, it works. I promise you, God's word works. And so how does this go with James? It goes with James, you know, from the... the um, in the next couple of weeks, as we look at our mouth and what our mouth can do, we need to speak life with our mouth. We need to speak blessing and not curses. And, and it's interesting, we're going to look also at uh, generational curses that come down through our family, that, is, that are perpetuated in our family. So often in my family, for example, everybody as far back as I know on my mother's side had adulterous affairs, I was conceived in an adulterous affair that my mother had. And so my, now my mother and my father are both adulterers. So what do you think I did with the knowledge that I had of the word of God? I said, that is stopping with me. Adultery will not be perpetuated any further down my line. That is stopping. The generation, the Bible says that the sins of the father are passed down from generation to generation to generation. And I said, that is stopping with me. And so I rose up against adultery. I said that no, no sexual immorality will continue down this family line. My children will not reap that generational curse. And so I stood up and I began to fight it. And so when the enemy knew he could not get me, guess who he went after? My first husband had one adulterous affair after another. So, do you see how curses are passed down through generation to generation? That is so why it's so important that we begin to understand that we are not battling. This is not about the natural realm. Now, can I preach a nice little tidy sermon and you can leave here like, oh, that was a good sermon and, and we're not going to talk about blessing and curses? And yes, I can. But you will not leave here equipped. And I believe that my job as a preacher is to equip you, to equip the saints. I really believe that's my job. And it's ignorance. My people perish for lack of vision, for lack of understanding. They don't know. Nobody's teaching them. How will they know unless somebody tells them? And we've got to start preaching this stuff. The hard things of God, not the simple things, not the fun little, let's let's be the joy of the Lord is my strength. How can you get blessed? A million ways to get blessed. I want to teach you what it means to use this mouth as a weapon, to say what God says. You've heard me say it a million times. The Bible says that the word of God is a double-edged sword, a two-mouthed sword. So God mouthed it once to us in his word. He wrote it. He spoke it. It became his word. Now it's up to us to add our mouth to it, make it a double-edged sword, a weapon. The most deadly weapon there is is a double-edged sword. It does damage going in. It does damage going up. It does damage coming down. It's a deadly weapon. If you look at the armor of God, the only offensive weapon that we have as believers is the sword of the Spirit. That's the word of God, the double-edged sword. When we add our mouth to what God says, it becomes a double weapon. That's why he said, Ezekiel, I'm not prophesying to the death. I'm telling you to prophesy. Use your mouth, Ezekiel. I can't speak it. I, I have chosen to use man. He limited himself. He didn't have to, but he chose to. He chose to make us agents. He chose to, to, to put his spirit in us. Now, we have to, to yield to that spirit and allow that, that the word of God to, to come through us into this world, into this atmosphere. We have to choose to speak it. We add our yes and amen to his word. And we add our mouth to make a double-edged sword. Are you with me? So what did he say? Let's go back to Ezekiel. Just to finish now, Ezekiel 37. Just one more thing I want you to see. Verse 14, 14, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Look at that. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Guess what that word is? Debar, which is rhema. And I have performed it. It means I've spoken it. And I will perform it. I will produce it in your life as you speak it, as you prophesy it. So I've spoken it. Now you prophesy it. You say what I'm saying over your death, over your life. And you watch what happens. I will prove to you that what I have spoken, I will perform. I will perform. Do you know that his word is forever settled in heaven? He's not sorry he said it. He means it it's a promise to us and so we can take his word and stand on it knowing that if he spoke it he will perform it in our life and so whatever your death is whatever it is you're dealing with that's left you dry and lifeless I promise you if you get the word of God in you and you begin to use it to speak over that situation there is nothing that will be impossible. That word, nothing is impossible with God, do you know what it, what it means in the original language? No rhema is without effect, without the ability to perform in your life. That's that Whenever your head. No rhema. Rhema is not just reading God's word. It's when God's word like jumps off the page at you and comes alive to you. That is a rhema. So no rhema, nothing, no rhema, is without the ability to perform in your life. When you get a rhema, when you get an aha moment, for me the aha moment was when I saw my sons will be taught by the Lord and great will my children's peace be. That was a rhema for me. And I began to speak that because I understood when it became a rhema to me, it got alive in me and the power to perform that in my children's life was going to take effect. Do you see? And so ask him to give you a rhema for your situation. Ask him to speak a now word, a ready word into you that you can hang on to and use it as a weapon against the enemy. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. If your life is dry, if your life is, is, is lifeless, if, you're, if you just feel like your life is hopeless, I promise you, that is not the Lord. That is the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, But I have come that you might have life and have it in the abundance. The abundance. He wants abundance for us. So if you're here tonight and you have uh, an addiction, if you have uh, a hopeless situation, if, if you're suicidal, if you are depressed, if you are uh, in financial straits, if you have a sickness, an illness, if you have uh, financial issues that, that just can't seem to be overcome, if you have marriage issues, if you, if you have a prodigal, I promise you, get a hold of this. And start speaking into your life. I'm going to ask Kelsey to, to just come to, to, the, to the, her, pick up her guitar. And, and I want you to just stand to your feet. And uh, if you have a situation, if you have a dry bone situation in your life that you need God to, I know you're, you don't like to lose cool points. I, I don't know where this ever came from. I just, I, church, neat and tidy church just gets on every, pushes every button I have. If you have a situation in your life that you feel is hopeless, that you just can't get free from, if you have something in your life that is bringing death and just, just sucking the life right out of you, if you have a situation that that the enemy whispers to you is, is just beyond control and and, and is just going downhill quick. If you have something in your life, maybe finances, that you just can't seem to to catch a break on. If you have a sickness, an illness that you've gotten a bad report for, I, I want you to just slip out of the pew. And come up here because I want to speak a now word over you. I want to speak uh, I want to speak the words that are spirit and life over you. If, if maybe you're here tonight and you've had nothing but, but words of death spoken over you. Maybe you were raised in a home that, that your your mother just spoke words of death over you. Maybe you, you you had friends that just said something cruel to you and it got deep down in your spirit and you believe it as truth and it's brought nothing but death and lifelessness to you. I want to speak a now word, a ready word, a word of life over you to cancel out that death. I promise you, this works. This works. And so I just want to invite you to come as Kelsey sings, and 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 we're just gonna, we're just gonna, I'm gonna speak the word over you. I'm just gonna speak it over you not going to do anything hooky-kooky. I'm just going to speak God's word over you. I'm going to prophesy to the dead bones. Father, your word says that your spirit searches a man. I'm asking you, Lord, to search. To search, Lord, each person up here tonight. I pray that you'd search, Lord, and that you would put your finger. On the things that threaten and try to drain life. From I thank you, Father, that the entrance of your word brings light. I thank you, Father, that you are the light of this world and that you came, Lord, to destroy the works of the devil. And that where the light is, there can be no darkness. And so, Father, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would just fall in this place afresh and anew. That you would saturate, Lord, every person in this room from the top of their heads to the tips of their toes, Lord God. That you would fill them afresh and anew. Your word says, be ye filled with the Spirit. I pray first and foremost for an outpouring, Lord, an outpouring of your Spirit. Lord, fall, fall. Fill them, Lord. Father, I speak to the, the places of anxiety and fear. Lord, I speak peace into them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, you say that we should cast our cares on you, for you care for them. Lord, I pray right now for every care that's that's that that's represented up here tonight, Lord God. Every care, every burden, every anxiety that, that is represented here tonight. Father, you say to cast those cares onto you. It means to literally throw. I pray that right now through the power of your spirit, Lord, that they would be able to picture just throwing those burdens onto you. And Lord, I pray that you, their burden bearer, would lift them off of them now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray, Father, for a literal lifting, a lifting, a lifting, Lord, of that burden off of their life. And I pray for radical, ridiculous peace that passes all understanding to desaturate their life now in the name of Jesus. Lord, you say that weeping endureth for a moment, but joy cometh in the morning. I pray, Lord God, for people who are here tonight in deep, morning, Lord God, grieving over losses, grieving over pain and heartache. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that the entrance of your word would bring life and that joy would come in the morning. I pray for joy, Lord, joy that's unspeakable, unspeakable joy, Lord God. I thank you that the joy of the Lord is their strength. And I pray right now that you would restore unto them the joy of their salvation. That word salvation means deliverance. It means rescue. And Lord, I pray for for a rescue, a deliverance right now from any joy-stealers in their life in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. I pray for joy right now, an infusion of joy in their life. Joy, Lord. Joy. Joy. Lord, I pray for eyes to be opened now in the name of Jesus. Any veil that the enemy has put on their eyes to keep them from understanding the truth of who you are, Lord God. I pray right now that those veils would be removed in the name of Jesus. I command them to be removed in the name of Jesus. Eyes be opened. Eyes be opened. Revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation to rest upon every person in this room. Lord God, I thank you that you have not given one person, I'm coming down there, you have not given one person a spirit of fear. There is a spirit of fear that has tried to haunt and torment, and I command it to be gone now in the mighty name of Jesus. And I pray for peace that passes all understanding, for sound minds. You have a sound mind mind. I pray against mental illness in the name of Jesus. There will be no mental illness here in the name of Jesus. I command it to be gone in Jesus' name and I speak a sound mind, a sound mind, a sound mind in His place. A sound mind in His place. I thank you that you're doing a new thing you're doing a new thing, I heard you say it, that you want me to say, behold, you're doing a new thing. Lord, there's people here who are living in the old. They're living in the past. They're living in the shoulda, woulda, couldas. They're living in the I wanted this and you didn't give it to me. Behold, you're doing a new thing. I heard you say that they need to begin to perceive it. And I pray for hearts to be able to perceive the new thing that you are doing in their life. Bondages be broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, you say that you came to destroy the works of the devil. You came to you said that you came to set the captive free, to release the prisoner from darkness, to oh Lord, to bind up broken hearts, to mend, 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 mend broken hearts one stitch at a time. Lord God, I thank you that you are mending broken hearts right now in the name of Jesus. Disappointments, defeat in the name of Jesus needs to be gone. They are more than overcomers in you. I speak the overcoming power of God in each and every life here tonight. The overcoming power of God. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. There will be no self-pity. I come against self-pity in the mighty name of Jesus. You are more than a conqueror. Say it. I'm more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. Say it like you mean it. You are more than a conqueror. I am more than a conqueror. I want to hear it. I am more than a conqueror. 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 You overcome in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Father. I thank you that they are overcomers in you. And what the enemy has meant for evil, I declare. And I decree in their life, you will turn it around and use it for good. I thank you, Father. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. Lord, I come against a spirit of heaviness. Your word says that you want to lift off a spirit of heaviness and give us a garment of praise. Oh, Lord. Father, I pray for you to just wrap them in a garment of praise. I just heard the Lord say that as you begin to praise Him at a whole new level. That heaviness is going to be lifted off of you. That when the enemy of your soul comes to try to cloak you with heaviness, you need to begin to praise. That, that the battle will be in the praise. The praise will break through. It'll break through that heaviness. And, and I just pray, Father, that even as as, as I say that, that that would just get embedded in their spirit, that they would know that that praise, oh, Lord God, I thank you. I thank you that we enter your courts with thanksgiving and, and your gates with praise. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you. I thank Thank you, Father, that praise is going to break through. It's going to break through in their life. Wrap them in a garment of praise. Lord, your word says that you came to give us beauty for ashes. Lord, I pray for all the things in their life that have been so decimated by the enemy. I thank you that you're an all-consuming fire. And I pray right now for ashes, Lord, not cinders. You can still rebuild from cinders, Lord God. Ashes, there's no hope of rebuilding. And I thank you that it's the ashes that you give us beauty for, not cinders. And so, Father, I pray that even now that they would be willing to hold out their hands for the things they're holding on to, that they're trying to rebuild, that they're trying to to work to to, to fix. Lord God, I pray that they would just surrender it to you and let your all-consuming fire just consume it so that in that place of ashes, Lord God, that you can turn it around and bring beauty back into their life. Lord, I pray for those who are sick. Lord, your word says that healing is the children's bread. You say that you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. You say that by your stripes, we are healed. And so, Father, I pray for your healing touch. I pray that you, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, their healer, the Bauman Gilead, the great physician, Lord, that you would just touch them now in the name of Jesus.